CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday and it is time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Here's what's coming up. When the pendulum swings too far, Carter Worth explains why the safety of utilities may be getting stretched. Then, in case you haven't heard yet on CNBC, Earnings season starts next week with the financials. But Tony Zane thinks there's really only one to speak up about. Finally, a special edition of Lookbacks with Professor Cole. Because how you manage some of our recent trade suggestions depends entirely on how you are using them. It's time to risk less to make more. Options action starts right now. Let's get right to it today. The markets close out a losing week. Lately, we've been spending a lot of time on offensive defensive positioning. Case in point, Carter's healthcare hideout series last month. But some other traditional defensive sectors might be getting a little long in the tooth already. And for a very interesting reason. So, Carter, what are the charts telling you? Well, we thought we'd uh, focus on utilities here, of course. And the curious thing is there are obviously very interest rate sensitive areas of the market. For instance, the home builder discussion uh, that we just had at the top of the hour. Uh, but utilities in principle um, are, are less desirable, if you will, in a, a rising rate environment, all things held equal. And yet utilities are uh, through the roof. Uh, let's look at a table or two and a chart or two. The thought is to fade. So the market low, Feb 24th, uh, and you saw some statistics there from Jeff Mills. If you look at the six-week return, here you see that utilities, of course, are leading the pack, defensive. Healthcare uh, coming in second, defensive. Rates come, staples, and the S&P up five. Uh, the point is, and you'll see this in the next chart, that at this point, I think the spread is getting a bit wide, just as it's a bit wide the other way, uh, with home builders. So this is a comparative chart, three lines. You can see it quite clearly. You've got XLU, the Spider ETF up and to the right versus TLT, that's the iShares uh, Treasury Bond ETF and the ITB, the iShares Home Builders ETF. Now, I want to look at a couple ratio charts. Uh, this next one is optically incredible, I think. It's XLU, not itself, it's relative performance to the TLT. So it's just a ratio. Uh, and you see the textbook breakout, but now it's literally so steep, it's almost going up and to the left, and you can't do that. You gotta go out to the right every day. Look at the next chart. This is going back some 20 years. I mean, a definitive breakout. And in many ways, it's the equal and opposite moment of the pandemic plunge. And then the final chart, we have an epic breakout, but it's happened. It's broken out. Utilities seem a little uh, too far, too fast, and we're thinking you fade this very defensive area of the market. Wow, those charts speak for themselves. Mike, what's the trade here? You know, if we saw some other charts, uh, we might also think that they've gotten to some pretty extreme levels. So if we take a look at uh, XLU, the utilities ETF, and we take a look at the utilities select sector index that underpins it, and we just take a look 
at valuations. Now, Carter has often told us that valuations are not a very good timing tool, and I'll admit that they aren't, but I think we need a little bit of context here. Almost no matter how you slice it, utilities are about as expensive as they've ever been. Price to earnings, 22-year highs, EV to EBITDA, 20-plus year highs, whether we're looking at free cash flow to debt, uh, whether this is trailing or forward-looking, doesn't matter. It's essentially at all-time highs. And from my perspective, you know, if we're looking at cyclical stocks, sometimes those can be contrary indicators. But utilities aren't cyclical. Um, they tend to be the steady eddies, right? So from my perspective, this does seem uh, a little bit too far too fast, maybe even a lot too far too fast. And so I was looking out to June at the 76.70 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, cost a little over $1.30 to put that spread on. Now, XLU and the constituent stocks that are utilities are not super high volatility, so the options premiums are not that great. But you'll notice that you're actually collecting uh, about a third of the premium uh, of the money that we're spending on the 76, collecting it on the 70s. And that's the reason I'm looking at a spread. The other thing is that it is essentially from that 70 level that we really broke out. So to me, I think that's sort of the level that I would be targeting in the near term. And, and in this case, we're, we're talking about uh, a little over two months. Uh, and I think this is uh, the way that you probably want to play it. I mean, it's always very difficult to pick a top. Uh, so we don't want to short something like this. But this is a way that we can bet against it and limit our risk. Tony, what's your take on this trade? Yeah, so <clears throat> overall, I completely agree with this. You know, we've been adding long exposure to utilities on the breakout when it broke out above that $72 level. And when you look at the trading range of XLU prior to that breakout, it projected a target of $78. And because of that, we started taking profits on those trades earlier this week. And I think that aligns quite well with fading this particular move. And if you look at the specific constituents of XLU, especially the major ones, Nextera Energy, Duke Energy, Southern Co., these are all companies that are currently trading at the same same type of extreme exhaustion moves. So it really sets up well for this collapse, if you will, or a fade the move back to that mean reversion. But I think what's interesting here is that typically when an asset like this trades near all-time highs, the implied volatility of the options tend to be quite inexpensive, but that's not the case that we've seen here for XLU. It's actually trading in its 70, 70th percentile relative to its previous year. So typically, when I look at this type of elevated implied volatility, I would be more inclined to sell premium. But looking at Mike's debit spread, the fact that he's able to collect one third of the $76 uh, put options premium and, and he has a risk to reward ratio here of over three and a half to one. I am far more inclined to take a debit spread because when we fade these extreme moves, we tend to see the collapse happen fairly quickly. And that's exactly what you'll be able to get from the debit spread structure that Mike's using. Carter, I wonder, are we entering reversion territory for some of the other sectors that have done well since February 24th? Well, that is the irony uh, of trading, right? When it's loved, think how tech was loved and then it gets ahead of itself. You see it in crude oil. Crude, I mean, my goodness, went from 90 to 130, and you have Wall Street calling for $200 a barrel, and the thing's in free fall now at 90. When it gets a little hot, too far, too fast, or the reciprocal, just too much of a plunge, you do start to see mean reversion at just what you're implying. And so it's in all areas of the market, all subsectors, and all asset classes. 
All right, let's uh, switch gears here. Check out the bank earnings on deck next week. Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, City all set to report. But Tony is eyeing one name in particular that he thinks could be money in the bank. So, Tony, which one? Yeah, the name that I have my eye on here is Wells Fargo going into the bank earnings next week. If we take a look at a few charts here, the first one I want to take a look at is the financial sector XLF relative to the market. And basically since February, we've seen this sector make absolutely no progress. It's been range bound. And right now we're at the bottom end of that range. So simply, I think that from a timing perspective, looking at financials going into earnings uh, seems like an interesting time to do so. Now, when we look at the major banks here uh, that are reporting next week, from my perspective, Wells Fargo seems to be the better performing one. If you look at the next chart, Wells Fargo, relative to the sector. Over this past same time frame, we've seen Wells Fargo actually outperform the sector. And recently, it pulled back to a trend line. And I think this is, again, a good opportunity from a timing perspective to look at Wells Fargo going into earnings. And uh, if you look at the, you know, what's interesting, I think, for a lot of investors currently asking about, uh, you know, rising interest rates and why are banks struggling in this rising interest rate environment, we really have to look at the spread between the 10-year and the two-year to have a better understanding because it represents the difference between the rates that the banks lend out at and the and the rates at which the banks have to pay depositors. And b- when we see a rate inversion here, that puts downside pressure here on banks like Wells Fargo and Bank of America that generate a fair amount of their income from interest margin. But as we get out of inversion, this starts to ease some of that pressure. And lastly, we look at a chart here of Wells Fargo simply trading near, again, the bottom end of the range. I'm looking for a bounce higher here going into earnings. Now, when we look at the earnings itself, the market is currently implying about a 5.7% move versus the average that we've seen over the past eight quarters of about 4.2%. So the market is actually implying a fairly sizable move, but the implied volatilities here are quite high. It's in its 70th percentile. So I'm inclined to sell premium here going out to the May 13th weekly option, selling the 48 45 put vertical here, collecting about $2.04 for the $48 puts, paying about $1.04 for the 45 puts. Net net here, I'm collecting $1 in premium out of a $3 wide credit spread. Now, this is typically just the one third minimum that we seek on a credit spread. But it is a credit spread that is a fair amount already out of the money. So for those reasons, I'm willing to accept a credit spread that collects only one third of the width. Mike, what do you think of this trade? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's interesting, of course, because I haven't been overwhelmingly bullish on financials. And in fact, uh, we put a bearish trade on. <laughs> we got long a put spread in, in XLF. And part of the reason for that, of course, is one of the things that Tony was uh, discussing, which is that obviously if you have a flattening uh, yield curve, that's not good. You know, there's two things actually that end up hurting financials when you get that dynamic. One is the net interest margin. But of course, The other is you need something to have a margin on. And what I'm referring to specifically is that when uh, you start seeing recessionary pressures, you know, the CNI loan growth is probably also going to decelerate. So you're not really earning any margin at all on loans you don't make in the first place. Uh, Not to mention the fact that, of course, all equities typically are going to start to perform fairly badly if we have rapidly increasing rates and recessionary pressures and a lot of these things working together. That said, you know, selling uh, put spreads like the one that he's doing when options premiums are elevated, uh, doing so so it's out of the money. Uh, oftentimes, when you're doing that into catalyst, that can be a winning strategy. So, from an options strategy perspective, I rather like it, even if I haven't been overwhelmingly enthusiastic 
about financials. Yeah, um, let's let's talk more about that XLF trade that you had just mentioned. We're going to do an early look back tonight. That's a treat. Right, right at the top of the show. A few weeks back, Mike laid out a bearish trade on the XLF. The group is down about two and a half percent since then. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, so you know this is an interesting situation because when you you put on put spreads or even if you just do outrights, the important thing to remember is that once you start seeing the underlying run through your long strike, then some of the benefits of convexity, that real optionality that you get, starts to come down, and so. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm no longer bearish. What I would suggest, though, is that people consider taking some of that money off the table and adjusting down. You can roll those strikes down, take some profits here, but maintain that uh, position. And you can do that whether that is a hedge for uh, other trades that you might ha have on, which could be even idiosyncratic ones, uh, like the bullish trade that Tony is proposing. It's really a neutral to bullish trade that Tony is producing on Wells Fargo. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Still to come, a special look back lesson inspired by one of your tweets. Professor Ko explains the many ways to manage open trades, depending entirely on how you want them to work for you. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action. All across CNBC, we've been talking a lot about rates this week. And, of course, there was a lot of bearish activity in TLT options as well. But even if you're late to join this conversation, Professor Ko believes there could still be an opportunity here. Mike, take it away. Yeah. So TLT, which is the ETF, which tracks the 20-plus year-long uh, Treasury bond market, has had one of its weakest periods ever. In fact, it's it's right up there. The, the only other time that we have seen declines as sharp as the one that we've seen since December in this ETF, since it was first listed in 2002, was on the rebound that we saw off the credit crisis in spring of 2009. And we are actually not that far off the declines that we saw at that time. Now, the thing is, of course, if you really do believe that rates are going to go higher, but you've already seen that this thing has gone down 19%, and that's very close to actually the biggest kinds of declines over comparable periods of times that we've seen in the past, you might be wondering whether there's still an opportunity to get in. You highlighted it. There was a lot of bearish activity in TLT even this week. Institutional traders out there buying the 118 strike puts that go out to April, May, June, and even as far out as November. So obviously there are some people who are still making some significant bearish bets. The thing is, this is an awfully tough time to try to make those kinds of bets. So the question I think we ought to be asking ourselves is, if you are in the camp that Bullard's rate targets, which he put at three to three and a quarter for the second half of this year, are in scope, and to put things in perspective, that would indeed put TLT back at the levels that we saw in the fourth quarter of 2018, which is down around that you know 115 to 118 level. What can you do now? Well, options premiums 
are pretty elevated in this thing. That's not surprising given the big move that we've seen. The other thing I would say is that we may be closer to the end, at least in the near term, of the move lower than we have been in a little while. So finally, I would also suggest it's probably therefore going to make some sense to try to minimize how much you risk by making a bearish bet and also to pick your levels. I am, in fact, targeting that downside level that we did see in the fourth quarter of 2018. And I was looking out to June at a 120, 114, one by two put spread. Now, the idea here is I'm trying to sell two downside puts on or about my downside target in the event that it does continue lower. But I'm also trying to put this trade on in a way where I'm essentially going to lay out little or no premium. The idea being that if it actually sort of stabilizes here or if we get any kind of a rebound, if recessionary uh, fears keep the long end of the curve depressed, that I'm not really risking anything. No harm, no foul, in other words, if the 20-year doesn't decline any further or even if it rebounds. When I was looking at that today, that was only going to cost about 30 cents. We'll see how the prices are early next week. But the idea is you sell two downside puts close to that downside target, collecting enough premium that you're essentially offsetting the cost of a higher strike put. Carter, what are your thoughts? Well, this is very much the same as, uh, if you will, the utilities trade, the home trade. There's a lot of autocorrelation. These are some of the most rate-sensitive areas of the market. And I think we've got two charts here to just put in context just how extreme uh, the current move is. So the first you'll see here is a ratio. I mean, this is, again, TLT, but it's the reverse. TLT's relative performance, so the iShares Treasury Bond ETF, to utilities. And you have literally a collapse, a breakdown uh, of epic proportions to all-time lows, one versus the other. But the TLT itself, this is the second of the two charts, is down to trend. And so this is the all data chart looking at TLT. And we have come down to the trend line that connects the 09 lows uh, with the 2018 uh, event, uh, the, the levels that Mike was citing. And I think sequencing calls for a bounce here or said differently that the, the long end will start to reflect some recessionary uh, issues uh, that are around the corner. So, Tony, you've got the charts and the trade. Where do you stand? Yeah, so <clears throat> I agree with Carter here on the expectation of a bounce, especially given the extreme moves here. But Mike's trade goes out to June, and I think if you look a little long-term here, the breakdown below 132 here on TLT, the subsequent retest of that level as resistance and the rejection of it certainly points us to, to points us towards that 112, 114 low that Mike is referring to back in 2018. Now, if you look at a ratio spread like this, it might at first look intimidating, but if you break it down, you can break it down into a 120, 114 put debit spread, which is similar to the a trade that Mike is using on XLU. And what he's doing, he's selling an additional 114 put against it to offset the cost of that put debit spread and effectively getting that put debit spread for virtually free by adding the obligation of owning the stock at, one four, uh, at 114 by selling that 114 put. But the few things that that's required, I think, to understand this particular strategy is the additional obligation to buy that stock at 114, but also the strike prices. It's very tricky to pick the strike prices on that lower strike price. Now, he happens to pick a one level 114, which aligns really well with the 2018 lows, but also the one standard deviation move for the June options. And the, that's what the market is implying that if 
TLT is to move lower, that's the expected move. And I think that is a great way to potentially, quote unquote, thread the needle on price. But the last thing that's important to understand about these ratio spreads is that if TLT moves down to that downside target price 114 relatively quickly, you're actually going to see a paper loss on this particular trade. You must hold this trade to expiration in order to actually thread the needle, not only on price, but also time. Yeah, good point there. Got to take a break here. Up next, more look backs. Why? Well, reminder here, we are off next Friday for the holidays, so we thought we'd do a lot of housekeeping this week. We're talking tech and tan. Don't go anywhere. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for another look back. Carter and Mike laid out a bearish way to play the triple Qs. Since then, the group has dropped nearly 4%, putting the trade in the green. And that prompted a fan to tweet us, do I sell the triple Qs now? I never make money on these options because it is all timing. I'm green, but chances are low. We are below 360 in the middle of June. So, Mike, what do you do with this? Yeah, three quick points. First, actually, the options market is saying there's a 60% chance we're below 360 by mid-June. Second, it depends if this is a hedge. If you're hedging, you need to keep your hedges on as long as you have your portfolio on. Finally, you don't need to sell it. You can also adjust it. Roll down and out. Good options. We are still not done with lookbacks, by the way. Up next, we've got Tony's tan trade. Back right after this. As promised, a third look back tonight. This one's on Tony's tan trade from last month. It's still in the green, but expires on the 22nd of this month. So, Tony, what do you do now? Yeah, the rule of thumb here is as you get within the last three weeks of expiration, if you're still above your break-even price, it's time to take your profits and move on. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits, Carter Braxton Worth. I think one of the best things you can do is put on a pair getting long home builders and short utilities. Tony Zhang. Wells Fargo going into earnings, selling a put vertical spread. Mike Coe. This is a bit of a barbell trade, but I think if you're bearish on XLU, you can use put spreads. And if you want to press bearish bets in TLT, you should use ratio put spreads. All right, well, that does it for us here on Options Action. Remember, we are off next Friday, but we will be back on April 22nd. Don't miss us too much. Have a great weekend. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.